What do you get, folks, when you have not me and but me and my guests, excuse me, both have Victory Monday. We have two football games on right now. We have two Victory Mondays. And for all of you wonderful folks out there, you're in a treat. Why? Because this podcast, when you finally earn money, you get the big name guests. And when you get the money to get the big name guests, you get the trust fund benefactor, Jared Silverclight, who is back on for episode number 182. It's a damn good day for for both of us, as it is Victory Monday. For both oh, hell yeah. It's vic- it is Victory Monday. Monday in so many ways, Griff. Not only, not only are the New York football giants 2-0 and for the first time since the last time we made the playoffs, but Garrett Wilson, baby, the other New York team, a walk-off win they're never going to forget, and boy, did I clean up on FanDuel. <laughs> oh, man, man. I wish I could say the same, but the Ravens and that Cleveland-New York game didn't go my way. The Ravens couldn't cover the spread, and the Ra- and the Ravens couldn't cover the spread, and then the Cleveland and the Jets. You know, they played football. They didn't. It wasn't a boring game like I thought it was going to be. Cleveland. I cleaned. I, clean, I cleaned up on BetMGM. I roared the Lions on Saturday. Hit a nice four teamer for college football. That's all I'll say. Oh hell yeah! That way. I mean, the Browns is the Browns. Like, can we say that? I mean. That was that had to be the most Cleveland way for Cleveland to lose a football game that we've seen oh so many times. You can't hold a two-score lead with two minutes to go. You botch the onside kick. Wow. It's just mind-blowing that there was not just that one. There was three. Like Miami, it's just hilarious because Miami outscored the Ravens 28 to 3 in the fourth quarter. Yes. The, the Raiders could not hold a 20 to nothing halftime lead. And the with a minute it was like a minute 46 left. You're these are all by 14. Home. These are these are all multiple score leads at home that were blown in a very short time frame. <laughs> and you nearly had and the best one of the day which I wish had happened was the Falcons down 28 to 3 to the Rams. You would lift all of that hell off of your shoulders if the Falcons made a 28-3 comeback. Over the defending Super Bowl champions, right? They almost exercised the demons, but at the last they, moment, they, they turned into the Falcons. I'm gonna I wanna I wanna open this up. I wanna go to you before we talk about my victory Monday, because for you guys. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's the just the way the guys are playing. But this Giants team is – and I'm a guy who's criticized Daniel Jones a lot. This Giants team is just night and day different to what we've seen over the last three or four years. It, it really is. And it speaks to the frustrations that I had as a fan. And I feel like, you know, people want to point to the obvious things whenever they see a football team losing – it, it must be all the quarterback's fault. Um, it must be because of skill position player X, Y, or Z. But I could see week in and week out that there was just something fundamentally wrong about how the Giants were preparing for games for the last four years, really. and or, or Four or five years. And um, finally, finally, what, I, what I'm seeing this season, because I don't think that the team has suddenly gone from zero to hero, Despite being two and zero, I don't, I do not consider us, you know, one of the premier teams in the league right now or anything like that. But I can tell that this coaching staff has an idea of what kind of identity they want this team to develop. I feel like Wink Martindale is really giving the defense so much purpose right now, to where we're we don't have Tib and Ojolari. They didn't play the first two weeks and it looks like they don't even miss them at all. Like they're still playing with such intensity and you can tell like this scheme works because this is not the most talented defense in the league by any means. And then offensively, you can really say the same sort of thing where um, I, I kind of, I don't know how I feel about this revolving door of practice squad level wide receivers seemingly um, that we've got going on. I mean, when, when uh, David Sills and Richie James are getting the most snaps, I, I didn't see, I didn't think that's how it was uh, you know, our offense was going to function how they were going to call plays this year. But 
so far, the small ball approach with Daniel Jones is working while giving Saquon the full vote of confidence. This is really what I think the Giants winning formula will be this year. This is not a team that's going to overpower anybody, but this is this is how they can make it work. You you make Saquon the centerpiece. Jones, you know, he can't – you're not going to win it because of him, but you can win it with him. Exactly. Like, you don't – you're not asking him to be that guy. You're not asking him to go out there and be um, – I know we have two games on right now, but I got Bills, Titans. So, if you ever see me go quiet or my eyes wander from the screen, folks, it's because I'm watching that game right now. Um, with Jones, it's just, hey, go out there, do the bare minimum what it's going to take to win and do that. But I even look at situations where I know everyone with the whole – uh, two minute, like the two minute thing last week, we're not two minute, two point conversion against Tennessee. Everyone kind of looks at that and goes, Oh, such a great decision. But it's one of those things where it's a different conversation if you guys lose the game because of that. But you know what? It paid off. You guys won two and oh. And might I add, two and oh on the spread. I'm going to come on and say this right now. Big Rat and I, big proponents of Giants plus five and a half week one. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you can one out. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, yeah, you said it. You said it best. I mean, you know, how are they going to judge that decision if it doesn't work out? But I just, I thought it was such a vote of confidence in this team from a rookie head coach, first game on the road, you know, with a chance to win it at the end of regulation. I mean, that is the and the fact that he, you know, he ran it by the defense. He was like, "Hey guys, if we score here, I'm going for two. All right, we good." I mean, it just shows such a such faith in your players and you know you see i mean the celebrations in the locker rooms after these games like this team i have not seen this energy in a very very long time and they they seem together they really seem together and it's and it's why this year i was optimistic not for a great season but for i think a, a decent season that you can build on i mean i'm i'm sure they're you know they're there's going to be games where they simply don't have the firepower to keep up with some other offenses in the league but I think that we can pull out more wins like this, maybe make a run to the playoff spot. And overall, I, I think that this franchise is finally in good hands. Yeah, like I, I, I still am going to say I don't want to say playoffs immediately just because I want to see Jones against, you know, like a true team. Like I think this week is two tests for two big people who come on the podcast, yourself, your team, and Big Rats team. Obviously, Miami got the big win yesterday, but I want to see them play Buffalo this Sunday. I want to see you guys against Dallas. I know Dallas, without Dak, they still look really good against Cincinnati, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I, it's just that divisional factor, you know? You want to see how do they stack up with the division. You want to see these teams, how are they against the true, quote-unquote, good. And I only say good for Dallas because they won the division last year. I want to see you guys play the Eagles, you know, before you make any assumptions. Because it is week two. But I do agree with you that, you know what, going down the road, yeah, all the Bryce Young jokes go out of hand unless Daniel Jones shits down his leg and you guys go 2-15. and 15, But I just don't see that at this point. I can still see like a maybe 7-10 and 10 or 8-9 and nine, be in that conversation everyone wants to be in. You know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, you're in the playoff hunt. That's what every NFL fan should strive for. I know that's a low bar to set. But it's a Absolutely. bar that, you know what, if you're in that conversation, you have exciting football. It's like September baseball. I know you're a Yankee fan, so you're a little spoiled. But baseball, is there something better when your team is competitive <laughs> in September, when your football team's competitive at Christmas time? There's just an aura to it. There's just something to it, you know? Oh, it sure is. I mean, like every, I mean, whenever the Giants would make the playoffs or like, you know, go on those Super Bowl runs, I mean, as they were clinching that playoff spot right around the holidays, it's just like, it, it just aligns so well with that time of year. I mean, there's nothing better when you're like, you know, you're at, you're doing Christmas with the family and then, you know, it's like NFL Sunday and your team just like punched their ticket to the play, the postseason. I mean, it, uh, it really just makes the end of the year that much better. I haven't gotten that feeling with this team in a really long time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that like, you know, we can be in the hunt. I mean, it's definitely too early to guarantee anything. Um, and, I, and I do think that these are like kind of, I'm I'm not like jumping over the moon for these wins. It's just kind of one of those. Oh, okay. Like we we edged a couple tight ones out. That's pretty encouraging. Let's see how we do against better competition. Well, and even those things like right here. I'm looking ahead next week. You guys are minus two and a half on the spread right now to open up against uh, against Dallas with something big. But even too, I think next Monday is just big because it is prime time. It is that Monday night football spot, you know, that spot that like everyone wants to be in. And I know everyone goes for Sunday night football, but I think Monday night football still has that, like, it has that swagger to it. 
then I think we lost him for a minute, folks. So I'm just going to vamp here. Um, but then I'm looking at the Giants' schedule after the Cowboys. Bears, Packers, Ravens, Jags, Seahawks. If they can escape that potentially 4-1, and one, the conversation could then shift from how good are they to this team is right in that thick of that playoff conversation. So oh, we'll yeah. see what happens. But I want to see – like like basically like the game in London, Dallas, and the Ravens, I think those are going to be like the true tests to determine how good the Giants really are. I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think that, yeah, the schedule is favorable uh, for now, for this first month. Um, but once, you know, we get that uh, little run there against Green Bay and Baltimore, those games are going to be really, really hard. And then, yeah, I mean, the, the Jaguars have been playing a little bit above expectations, right? The, the Lions have some offensive firepower. And that, that might be a team where, you know, right now they may, they may have a worse record than us, but I don't know if that's a team that we might – May, we may not match up w- with all that well just because they throw it more aggressively downfield. I think they've had the benefit of playing two more conservative offenses to open it up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, exciting times. Optimism abound. Who would have thought? <laughs> we also know, too, that the Carolina Panthers are just not a good football team. That's the other big factor in for that for you guys. Um, I'm going to go on my own little Victory Monday rant because guess what? The Patriots got the win yesterday. It was ugly, 17-14. to but I hate everyone basically going like, oh, like the Patriot way of old is gone and everything. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. But you know what? The NFL, like the Giants yesterday, if you want to win in this league, you got to win ugly sometimes. Not every win's going to be pretty and a nice little cupcake with a cherry on top. No. You got to get down in the dirt and mud sometimes and fight for those wins as Jalen Hurts throws a bomb to, who is that, number 16? Uh, who is? Okay, yeah. I'm really glad I changed my spread pick to the Eagles over the Vikings. Oof, my own. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm going to say about the Pats quickly is just, look, you're going to get ugly wins. I called it yesterday. I said that game was going to be an ugly game, one of the trenches. What was it? It was an ugly game, one of the trenches. New England, though, masters of killing clock, killing that six-minute drive. That was unbelievable way to end the game. And we also learned yesterday, too, that you know what? Just because you put lipstick on a pig doesn't mean that the pig's magically going to turn from anything else to anything else, which I'm referring to is Mitch Trubisky, which I don't think he's the guy in Pittsburgh. So that's my little vamp on the Patriots. Got the win. Not happy to play Baltimore next week coming off that horrible loss to Miami. But you know what? I'm going to soak in this victory Monday because I'm like Oprah right now handing out W's. Jared gets a W. Griffin gets a W. We all get W's here on YWC Football Talk, episode 182. That's it. That's it. And I mean, I you definitely summed it up talking about the Patriots winning ugly because I think it's kind of it's kind of funny. You know, here we are, 2022. It's like, you know, you and I and like, Everybody else, you know, growing up, uh, we were kids, we're in high school, like Patriots versus Steelers is a one big-ass football game. That is a featured game. And now here it is happening week two in 2022, and these teams are, you know, they're entering the next phase. They're in transition. They've got young, inexperienced quarterbacks um, at the helm. And they both, but they both still very well coached, very well prepared, very, um, you know, very talented defensively. The Steelers more so than the Patriots um, in terms of like, you know, name guys. But, you know, just kind of a game that you knew going in was like, man, this is probably going to be one of the more like unexciting uh, games of the week if you're looking for offensive fireworks. Um, But yeah, just one in the trenches, grind it out. It's Josh Allen just throws a fucking bomb to Stephon Diggs. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this team's good. This team, this team's good. Um, but you know what I also said yesterday was yesterday was gonna be which quarterback doesn't fuck up the worst. And which quarterback fucked up the worst? It was Trubisky. Mac played Mac had the one interception on Mika Fitzpatrick, but you know what? Sometimes you gotta you're gonna throw those to one of the best safeties in the league. Meanwhile, if Trubisky a lot of checkdowns. It was a lot of Matt Canada, but we'll see what happens. Also, Jared, I like I said to you earlier, I still have trust issues with Stephon Diggs, and it's painful right now. Get the ball to fucking Dawson Knox. Come on. Oh, and we're going to vamp again for a second, folks. Um, Like I said with the Patriots, it's not going to be pretty this oh, year. Oh, what happened? Oh, sorry. You kind of disappeared for a second. You didn't, Stephon, lo- you didn't lose me, did you? Oh, I did lose you for a sec. I was just talking because this uh, Josh Allen just threw an absolute dime downfield laser yes. to Stephon Diggs. Yes, and, yes. I 
I, I still have trust issues because if for the folks out there that don't know, I told Jared this earlier, wild card game. I took Diggs to get a touchdown against the Patriots. I also took Damian Harris to get a touchdown against the Bills. What happened? Every Bill but Diggs got a touchdown that night. So that's why I have trust issues. But, yeah, so that's me and my trust issues as I go back to Minnesota Philly where I'm still waiting for my wagers to cash. All I need, folks, is a Dawson Knox touchdown. Josh Allen's good for fantasy, but Josh, please get Dawson the ball. Listen, listen, right I need, listen, I need, I got a few, I got a few requests here. I need Derrick Henry to get 55 rushing yards. And most importantly, I need Traylon Burks to get 23 yards and a touchdown. All we big ask money, is big money coming to the trust fund. We just need, I literally just want, uh, what was it called? Just get me DraftKings. Come on, do me some favors. I love how I click on the game and it tells me like, hey, where to go for this. And also, if you want to bet on the Bills right now, they're minus five thousand to win the game. And I think we're also learning quickly too. A take. So I don't know if I ever told you this, but last season my big take was the uh, what was the team's name? The Seahawks were going to be bad and miss the playoffs. That happened. This year my take is like that, but with the Tennessee Titans, and so far it's coming true. And then I need folks here. I need Dallas Goddard and Justin Jefferson. I have two separate touchdown parlays going tonight, and we will have more for Thursday. But this Thursday's game, we'll talk about it in a little bit. The one question I have for you, uh, Jared, so I'm going to write these three AFC teams quickly, and I want you to show me your level of concern, one being the worst, three being the least concern. Bengals, okay. Broncos, Colts. Bengals, Broncos, Colts. Who am I most concerned versus uh, least concerned? Yes. Okay, okay. I am most concerned about the Colts. I am then second most concerned about the Bengals. And I am third most concerned about the Broncos. Now, why why am I least concerned about the Broncos? Because the Broncos, I feel like, all right, they're getting a little used to um, Russell Wilson, there's still some growing pains, clearly. He's not dominating in the same way that he was in Seattle. This is the first new team of his career, and it's not gelling right out of the gate. However, the running game is still effective both weeks. Both weeks it was effective. They just got week one embarrassing turnovers at the goal line, which like just can't happen. And the, the odds of that ever happening again are, are slim to none, and they lost by one point. And the defense, the defense is still, it's still the same unit. The Broncos have always been one of those teams with, you know, you get these teams in the league where the players may come and go, but the defense, the core identity of the defense remains the same. The Broncos and the Ravens have always been two of those teams. Yeah, I agree agree with you on both of those. I just, my thing, I always said Denver was going to struggle out of the gate, but I didn't think it would be only get, lose to Seattle by one and then, Houston, you have a tough time with. I still think Houston's going to be a frisky team. But I mean, frisky in the sense of they're going to be a surprise team for a lot of people. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're not going to be like awful, awful. They're not going to be bad. There's a team that I think will be bad. We'll get to in a second, but we'll wait for that. But with the Broncos, I think they'll figure it out. But I said this in the AFC preview show. If you're going for someone to still win that division, it's Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. I think anyone saying the whole Tyreek Hill, you know, is it Wuzzle? How's he going to be Tyreek Hill? We got to remember, guys. Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. And then the Chargers, I still think, are the better team. Now, with me and the Bengals, I just think that they were a team that had way too much pressure on them this year because of their overhyped expectations because of last year. But we all know in the NFL, you know, every year we get this. Oh, yeah, we'll just go back to the Super Bowl next year. Guess what? It's not that easy. Some people might think it is, but it's not. Getting back to the Super Bowl isn't just you snap your fingers and you go. Obviously, for the Patriots, it was a little different in all those years. But then we look at Kansas City, too. It's kind of the same thing. But for a lot of these teams, the same thing always happens. We think that they're going to get back there. We think that we're going to snap our fingers and we're going to see them back there again. But it's not so true. So it's kind of the same thing with um, with Cincinnati. And then with Indy, I think outside of Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor, they've got nothing. I think that's what it is. I also think too. I don't think I think Matt Ryan's like on the already on the back nine of his career. I think it's one of those things where it's like 
the end is sooner than nearer. And also, too, I heard this today on a podcast. I want to ask your thoughts on this. Do we think that Andrew Luck basically bought job security for Frank Reich and um, Chris Ballard for all that time because they can always go, oh, we're still trying to fix our quarterback problem when all along, though, it's no. Andrew Luck retired three years ago. You guys haven't figured it out and have had a carousel at quarterback. I think those guys, there's a very good chance those guys get fired if the Colts do not make the playoffs this year or if they're a eight and nine or nine and eight team, but they still win the division because I just think that's the worst division in football still. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. Although I actually, hmm, it's, it's funny. Well, yeah, I think that hmm, I was going to argue that I'm being, that being the worst division, but I, I was going to say the NFC South, but the more I think about it, I think, um, uh, you know, despite how, you know, the saints and the bucks getting banged up early, I think the, yeah, I think the AFC South is clearly the worst. I mean, good Lord, the best team right now looks like the Jaguars. What's going on? Yeah. Tennessee is yeah. probably going to be 0-2 after tonight. Um, yeah, Tennessee's going to be 0-2. I think the Bills have the ball back already. Um, yeah. Tennessee's going to be 0-2. The Colts are 0-1-1. The Texans are 0-1-1. And the Jags are 1-1. That's not good football. Now, it's not a diss on uh, Tennessee or any, uh, not Jacksonville or anything, but it's just showing you, hey, these two other teams that were supposed to be good or who we yeah. thought were going to be good, a.k.a. Tennessee and Indy, aren't as yeah. good as we thought. No, the Indy... Indy is the biggest disappointment in the NFL this year. And the reason I say more so than Cincy is because I still have faith in Cincy to get it right. The Colts look completely helpless. And here's the whole thing with them. Last year, the Colts had a good team, a very underrated team. They were probably the best non-playoff team in the league. The one thing holding them back, the one reason they didn't go to the playoffs is because Carson Wentz sucks. The fact that Carson Wentz couldn't, Beat couldn't couldn't get it together to help this team beat the Jaguars, who were playing for nothing, who wanted who who for all this this should have lost, right? Yep. Got the first overall pick, and they can't beat them to get the last playoff spot. And so, do they here? They try to do what every team tries to do, which is get that quarterback, the missing link. The, the Broncos felt like they were a quarterback in the way they got Russell Wilson. The Colts get Matt Ryan, and. I think that here it was just too late with him. He is not one of those veterans that's been able to have the same level of longevity as others. Maybe I mean, and and I've I mean I've always been a fan of Matt Ryan. I think that he is a you know he's had a very good career, but like you mentioned, back nine wasn't the guy to get. Honestly, the guy for them to get, and I don't think that they would be zero to Jimmy Garoppolo, who I'm going to say right now, San Francisco. I always I, – I, I feel bad for Trey Lance, but I always said with San Francisco, I was just like – I knew there was something in keeping Jimmy. I knew there was a reason for the keeping. I'm not saying Trey Lance was going to get hurt or anything. I was just saying, look, there, you always have to read between the lines on those things. With the Colts, though, it's just one of those disappointing things because it's like, look, we expected you to win. Hell, I had them labeled as a Super Bowl dark horse. I thought it was going to be, you know, Matt Ryan renaissance. I'm not saying it was going to be like Matt Stafford or anything, but it's like, you know what, he has a chance to go and show himself as this – Hey, I'm back to being what I once was. Now, meanwhile, you have him where it's like, okay, is this guy really as good as we say he is, or is he just overhyped? Now, with his weapons, that's his biggest thing. They don't have the weapons. They do have Pittman and Taylor, but besides that, their tight end room is nothing special, and the receiver depth, we saw it yesterday. It was bad. And the more embarrassing thing than losing was the fact they put up a goose egg against Jacksonville. I think that is something that goes unnoticed. Not unnoticed, but it's a thing that should be like put more into the spotlight is the fact that they scored nothing. They put up a zero. And now you got Kansas City coming to town next week, Indy. So good luck with that. In your home opener, nonetheless. So, yeah, that's the big, big thing right there. Casey and Indy this Sunday. So for, Kansas, for Indianapolis fans, yeah. you think it's going to get easier? No. You got no. Patrick Mahomes coming to town. No, no, no. No, I don't know if you heard what I just said, but I really, it doesn't get more embarrassing in this league than getting shut out by anybody, much less a team that most people think is not going to be very good this year. So they're really, yeah, it, it really does not get, this has to be rock bottom for Indy. You better be happy that you had this happen early. Maybe it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call. They're definitely not out of it in the division if they get it together, but, I mean, things don't look so good. No, they don't. They do not. No, and you cut out there, by the way, so I didn't know what you were saying. But 
yeah. So if you're the Colts, you got to get it figured together. Um, one team as well. I'm not saying they're bad, but I'm here to say I don't think they're as good as we thought they were. That's Las Vegas. I just don't. I think basically we're learning all along what a lot of people said, and I agreed with, and that's Derek Carr is not the guy. He's still a good quarterback, and he has potential to be a good quarterback in this league. But I just look at him, and I'm like, he he's not that guy. He's not, you know how Josh Allen is the guy in Buffalo right now. You know how Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, et cetera. We know they're the guys. I just don't think Derek Carr is like ever yep. going to ascend to that level of player and quarterback. I would, uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think that you kind of, you've seen him peak already. I mean, he's, yes, Devontae Adams had a claim to stake as the best wide receiver 12 in the league. fucking yards. 12 yards, 12 exactly. Yards. Yeah, and no, and where I was going with that was before he even got there, I think that this Oakland team has not been lacking weapons the last several years. So it's not like, I mean, yeah, obviously Devontae makes the team better, but if Derek Carr was really at that level of quarterback here in the NFL, you know, he could have gotten more out of the group that he had before Devontae. And now you have him, you're at home against a playoff team from last year, and you get an early touchdown and you completely go away from him for the rest of the game? Why, why is he there? Why is he there if you're not going to throw to him? Yeah, it's not like, too, oh, hey, we just brought him in. It's like he's one of those guys where it's like he's later in his career. We're giving him a chance. No, he's still performing at an elite level. He's still one of the top. Right now, if I had to rank the top three receivers in the NFL, I go Cup, I go Jefferson, and I go Adams. Those are your top three receivers right yeah, there. It would have to be 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So the no, fact they, that you, this I, is the guy. I, in his- I, I was also going to say, I just think they were scared to win that game. I think they were just like, oh, hey, we're going to do this. And also, the more embarrassing thing is, how you let Kyler Murray get that two-point conversion? Like, do you guys not know how to tackle? For everyone saying how impressive it is, learn to hit someone if you're the Raiders' defense. Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's former Giants defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, too. I think we have some dead air right now, folks. Jared, are you still there? Oh, I, I think so. Yeah, if you're using it on the app, just make sure you keep the browser open while you're recording just so you don't cut in and out. But yeah, that's the thing right, I was right, saying right. too, is just yeah. the defense yesterday on the Kyler Murray on the Kyler Murray play. Like the two point oh, conversion. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't that's that's inexcusable defense. Oh well, yeah, one one hundred percent. I mean, it's just one of those things where like, you know, bringing a coach but the culture like doesn't really seem to change. I mean, the Raiders have again, it's been you know, defense really it is so scheme-driven. And, you know, we can take the most talented players in the league, you know, draw them up on paper and plop them on a team. And, you know, the, the Raiders have always been a team. That, like, they've always had, you know, some talent here and there on defense, but they've just never been able to find consistency to be a lockdown unit. And, yeah, I mean, we're seeing just continuation of that here. And, I mean, and then uh, the, the same kind of applies to bringing Devontae Adams into their offense, where, you know, is he – He's going to score some points for them and, you know, get his touchdowns this year. Of course he is. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to lead to more wins for the team. You know, sometimes you can add in an area, add a really talented player, and it really doesn't do much of anything. And, I mean, I think that that can be the case here where they're just just still going to be that 9-8, and 8-9 and fringe playoff team. Exactly. They're going to be that team. Because, like, I've said this all offseason. One team that's in the AFC West is going to disappoint people because not every team in that division is going to win 10-plus games. There's always one team that's doomed for lower expectations or not doing as good as we once thought they were going to be. Yep, and it's funny. Like I, I, think that, like, I really think that coming into this season, my, my current – how about and, – and I'll come to you. I'll come back to you on this right after. My preseason AFC West rankings – I still feel after two weeks, I still feel exactly the same in the way that I would order these teams, which is KC first, despite the loss of Tyreek. It's still the Mahomes show over there. They are able to um, recreate his production, you know, in, in their, in a different way that they have to with the new pieces they have. And Travis Kelsey is still there. They're still able of basically performing at the same level that they had the last couple of years. I would go number two, Chargers, where Chargers, you can definitely see the talent on the field in this team. You can see that this is, you know, a possibly a top five roster in the NFL. They absolutely um, have on both sides of the ball, like 
There's superstars everywhere. But at the same time, we saw last week against Kansas City that they are still making those same critical mistakes, costing them games that they should be winning. Because anybody who watched that game and you didn't tell them the final score, they would think the Chargers won because they absolutely outplayed Kansas City, except for you know the, the, the key moments, and they, and they let one slip away. Um, and then I would go Broncos, where Broncos, it's like I'm still seeing the defensive consistency, but I'm not seeing the offensive explosion to put them over the other two. And then number four, Raiders. Say, looks like the same, same old Raiders to me. I had literally have the exact same rankings as you, and that's what mine was. I always said Kansas City held. Kansas City's my pick to go to the Super Bowl because I feel like with all the – and I know it sounds going to sound kind of salty coming from a Pats fan – but for all the Bills hype, and we're giving hype to a team that hasn't necessarily, you know, done anything. No, I'm going to go with the team that's been to the AFC Championship the last four ga- years and has a championship under their resume already. Second, I'm going to go. Tra- I still go Chargers because I still think they're that same thing. They're still a work in progress, but I think they're making the right strides to getting better. They just have to win those games. They have to split against Kansas City this year. Third, I had Denver because, like I said, I think they'll figure it out. They'll be in that playoff window, but we'll see. I think, if anything, Denver's going to be their own worst enemy. They're not going to be – they're going to make the mistakes, if anything, to cost themselves football games. And then the Raiders, it's the same old thing. It's that, hey, we, we you are they're, – they're, they're the Dennis same Green old Raiders. team. Same it's Dennis, old Raiders. It's Dennis Green. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's that's the Raiders to me. Raiders fans can argue, but yep. for all, all of them, we're trying to make the cases of oh, Derek. I've seen some of them try to go Derek Carr as a top ten quarterback and stuff. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. Then give me give me the other nine. Give me give me the other nine and and, and or name it. Name the twenty behind him that you're going to put him ahead of, and then we can have a real conversation. And like. You can't honestly do that. Nobody could honestly have that opinion. It's like me saying Daniel Jones is a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, it's like me going Max a top 10 quarterback. Because if I, I'm not going to rank them, but if I'm thinking of guys at least top five for right now, you go Allen, Mahomes, Herbert. I'll still put Burrow in there, even though he's been off to a bit of a cold start. I think he's still a top quarterback in the league. You have Brady, you have Rodgers, you have Dak, you have Kyler. Oh, have wow. wow. That, is, that is a hard. That's a hard top ten. That is a that's a that was a really hard top five, I would say. But I think, but I think that so far Brady, you you cannot put Brady in the top five right now. No, I'm not saying that's, that's not. not that's, no, like top five is basically the guys who I said you can just rank them how you want. Where I go, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, right, right. and then Burrow. you're going to, you're, you're talking second tier. Yeah, you're talking second tier after that, like the six to ten range. Yeah, Brady goes in the six to ten range, but like right now, like I said, I think one two is Mahomes and Allen, and then I, the one that's there is five. Like, do I go? Do you go Aaron Rodgers? Do you go Lamar? Do you go? Is there someone else in mind you could go with? Like, it's a very, it's every, it's up to everyone's thing. But then there's, I think that right now. You know it's tough. Yeah, it's yeah, no, it is. It, it's definitely, yeah, it really is. I mean, I don't know if I would put. See, Aaron Rodgers is kind of a tough one for me. I don't know. He could be. He may not. He's not necessarily like. Through, we're just talking talking the first two games of the season. I don't think he hasn't looked top five. Um, I mean, this offense, it's it's clear that like they are missing Devontae Adams to a degree. I mean, because a lot of the guys that they have are just kind of here and they've always been like here and there targets or they're very, very new. And these weren't really like heralded draft picks. These are kind of like, you know, depth pieces, works in progress that maybe over time could build into something. But right now it's definitely not the same Green Bay air show. And you can tell, you can tell against the bears, they were very content to let the running backs lead the charge while Rodgers kind of schools these kids up. So maybe it's going to come later this season, but I think right now Green Bay is a good team, a still, a still well-coached team, a still well-prepared team, but not a fear-inducing team. I wouldn't say that they're fear-inducing right now. Yeah, like they, they'll make the playoffs, but they're not a team you look at being like they're going to be in the Super Bowl. By the way, we also learned last night that the Bears do suck. 
the Bears truly, truly do suck. The, the Bears are who we thought they were. Yeah, I think they the just Bears had their, like, indeed, one week. They, they had their indeed. one week in the sun. That's it. Yeah, they had their one week in the sun against, a, I think, a very overrated 49ers team coming into the season. I know Trey Lance got hurt. I not see that coming. Uh, yeah, I think his Wi-Fi or his connection is acting up, folks. But, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with the 49ers where, like I said earlier, I wish Trey Lance nothing but the best. He just had surgery. He had successful surgery today just with him. I just didn't buy into the Trey Lance-led 49ers team going anywhere. So I think the Bears, they had their moment in the sun. Will they get another? They'll probably get, still get some more wins, but you can't look at me with a straight face and oh, and a pick for Buffalo. Buffalo for Buffalo interception. Oh man, yeah. Come, what what's what's going on, man? Yeah, this as I saw, I just saw a kid uh, in blue. I don't think he could. Have, don't think he had a jersey, so he just basically painted his entire stomach blue. Which good for you. But man, this is another team, Tennessee. Like, fuck, man. I think Tannehill's in that Matt Ryan category of quarterback as well, where I think. Tannehill had that one good year in 2019 and then all of a sudden he was down. I know, I don't know if you were ever part of those arguments, but I know we all know like the big rat and Bobby stuff when it came to Ryan Tannehill. Well, I think Ryan Tannehill definitely is like, um, you know, he definitely played very well that season. I mean, um, I do think in the seasons that have followed, he's kind of shown that, yeah, it, well, um, I mean, he's just never, he's a quarterback that's never really had greatness in his genes. I think that it's kind of, a guy who, again, if he plays, he's one of those guys who, if he plays mistake three, you know, and uh, you know, is surrounded by the right pieces, you can win with him, but you're not going to win because of him. And I do, but I do say, I will say this: my dad is a diehard Dolphins fan as well. So Brian Tannehill followed his career the whole time he was with Miami, most sacked quarterback in the league by far, and the fact that he's still like. Forget playing football. Like the fact that he's not like in a wheelchair or something is pretty damn impressive, considering all the abuse that, that offensive line made him endure for you know however many years in a row. So he ate a lot of shit to get where he is. And I actually, and even he's not like you know a great quarterback or anything. I got a lot of respect for him because I would have wanted to throw in the fucking towel. They almost they they were very very close to making the Super Bowl a few years ago. If you don't remember, they sure were. Yeah. They sure were. Um, I'm gonna ask you this right now. Let I, I, I'm in the mood to play a game. Are you in the mood to play play along? Sure. Why not? I want to call this good, bad, or wait and see. Mm, so you're okay. gonna, I'm gonna give you a team, and I want you to let me know. Do you think they're good? Do you think they're bad? Or are you still waiting to see what they truly are? The first one I'm gonna go with is the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland. Hmm. I'd say, mm, I got. I gotta say bad. I gotta say bad because this team, this team, is supposed to be in there in the absence of Deshaun Watson. They are a team where the defense has to set the example. They still have talented skill position players on offense and a superstar running back that the offense can run through, but the defense has to set the tone with this downgrade in quarterback for the time being for like half the season. Um, and they have looked pretty, pretty porous two weeks in a row against two offenses that are not particularly, you know, thought of as being like great or anything. I mean, you play against Joe Flacco for crying out loud. You allowed 31 points at home. Yeah. It was bad. You're you're happy about it though because you cleaned up. Fans. Oh, I loved it. I was I was jumping up and down. I, I couldn't believe it. It was it was on, that was like um, of all the ways to win a bet, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness! Seventy yards and two touchdowns for Garrett Wilson, and the second one comes to seal the game at the end. You can't draft that up any better. But yeah, no. From the Browns' perspective, though, I think they should be pretty ashamed of themselves. You can't let Joe Flacco do that to you. You, you 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 can't. It's no. Oh, no. Oh. So yeah, um, I, would, I would say bad. I would say Deshaun Watson will come back, and it's going to be too little, too late. And guess what? Even if he comes back and he's the Deshaun Watson of old, 
I, I still think it's not going to be enough to beat teams like the Ravens and the Bengals. They're still better than them. I agree. I agree. I also think, too, there's a world where you can shut down. You just don't play them at all this year if they're like out of the playoff pitcher by December. Cause like, what's the point of playing him when he hasn't played in almost three years, you know? Yeah. And if you hold him out, you can maybe get him some real help next year or something, you know, get a real number one wide receiver. It's not Amari Cooper. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Wait and see. I'm going to say wait and see because in ordinarily I would say bad and they just got a lucky win, but the state of the AFC South, wait and see. You never know. This this could be this year's uh, NFC East where the winner could get in with seven wins or something. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. I know it could be ugly. They do play next week. Let's see. They go to – so their schedule coming up. They go to L.A. They play the Eagles, the Texans, the Colts, the Giants, and the Broncos in London. So – We'll see how they do throughout that little October stretch. I think this next five weeks is we're going to see who they are. Because if they go to L.A. and Herbert has his way with them, like, I'm not going to jump on the I'm not going to jump on the train with them. But if they can come out of that with a decent record and, say, have four wins when a time when four wins for them is very rare, kudos yeah. to them. I mean, I here's the way I feel about the Jaguars. The Colts have looked, like, really, really, really bad in these two first two games and the Jaguars had just lost to the freaking commanders. So I still think that this might've been a, a case of them overachieving against a division rival that obviously is dealing with some real problems right now. And uh, I mean, they could take a step forward, but I do, I am absolutely not believing that this, that they are suddenly vaulted into the, potentially good team category yet if that makes sense yeah i'm still waiting to see just like we said they played a a a washington team which we kind of saw yesterday like hey they're not carson wentz is still carson wentz and they still have some work to do um the next one i want to do is is um this might be controversial but miami good Miami, good. Miami, definitely good. Miami just showed some serious cojones. Now, that listen, Dolphins fans, looking at you, Big Rat, Dolphins fans have not seen an offense perform at that level in a really long time. This is a team that has struggled to develop a quality passing game for my entire lifetime post-Dan Marino. Like... This is a team that they've they have you never see the Dolphins go toe to toe with an offense shredding it up like Tua shredded it up this Sunday, and I, I think the, the Ravens got a little loose. Obviously, they took their foot off the gas and it came back to bite them. But this the Miami Dolphins they in the past there's nothing that would have ever made anyone believe through so many quarterbacks that they would have had the capability to score this. Uh, to score that many points in such rapid succession um, with those kind of, you know, receiver stat lines. And this team is for real. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle might be the best one-two punch uh, receiver combo in the league. I don't think anybody would argue at this point. Um, Gazicki's a quality tight end. They got a good, they got a good idea of what they can do with the running game too, with Edmonds. Um, I think that this team is, I mean, people should be talking about them as if they're, um, you know, going to be a threat for the AFC East and maybe one of the top threats in the whole AFC because this is this roster is loaded with talent. Yeah, that's the exact thing. They have the talent. I just want to see how they play this week against Buffalo. And I only say that because Buffalo is a team that's had their number. Josh Allen's played really well against Miami in recent years. So if Miami can either hold, hang in tight or beat them, then I'm going to finally buy stock in them. I'm still going to see wait and see because, like I said, I still want to see them play a true 60-minute game of football where they're going toe-to-toe to someone not having to – because if they're having to come back every week, I think eventually that nostalgia wears off and it just eventually becomes a, okay, you did this now you you because you, you, we know they're eating at a bit. You know words mixed up, folks, because you know they can't do that every single week. 
Yep, I, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. I mean, uh, to me, the, the Ravens one was a big one because I personally, I, I view the Ravens like going into this season as being one of uh, the top Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. And I still think that they're going to right the ship after what happened yesterday. Um, another team that's just too talented to struggle for too long. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Buffalo is, Buffalo, I mean, would anyone question it right now? Buffalo is the best team in the league. Best team in the whole league. You got two dominant wins over um, teams that were division winners last year, playoff teams, the defending Super Bowl champions, and the Titans have been a, a good team for a number of years now. Um, the bu- Buffalo looks like they are firing on all cylinders. They were many people's preseason Super Bowl pick. Uh, I would definitely stand by that at this point. I think that they should have gotten in last year, and they should never have let that game against Kansas City slip away. I'm sorry, but you got a whole – if you can't hold a lead with 15 seconds, like, come on, man. I don't, I don't care who you're playing. So I think that Buffalo is going to make up for last year. I think they're going to go get that championship. Um, they just look amazing. My only thing with Buffalo right now, and this is still the case, is that I feel like their fans think they're just going to grace walk the entire regular season and just snap your fingers and get to the Super Bowl, which all teams over the last few seasons, I've noticed this especially, have gone through some form of adversity to get to the Super Bowl. So I think the Bills have to face that at some point this year because most teams who just – Look at Green Bay the last few years. It's always going to be Aaron Rodgers' the Super Bowl. No. That's why I'm still on Patrick Mahomes to get there because it's the no one's talking about them factor. It's the, oh, they're just there. In week six, we get Bills and Chiefs, which is going to be a must-see football game. Well, uh, I, I could be wrong, but I believe adversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. Is that correct? How it, <laughs> Close to it. Um <laughs> I'm not going to use the word adversity. I'm going to read. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you have some hurdles. You have some hurdles. No, no, you're, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I, uh, and I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the adversity thing because this is what killed the Ravens a few years ago. The Ravens did have that cakewalk. Lamar Jackson's first full year in the league. Um, that was the, the Ravens in 2019. Can I, stop you right? can, can, I, can I stop you right there? Yeah. One of the very first episodes of this podcast was right before the 2020 divisional playoff game. Ravens-Titans. Ah. Nightmare 10 came on this podcast and said the Titans were going to win that game. He called that. That is one of the first – that is the OG hot take of this podcast, by the way, was the, the Ravens losing that game. And then I looked back and I saw it, and I was like, yeah, they went 2-2 two and two in September, and then they went then they went 12-0, and 0, and then they lost in the playoffs because they ran out of gas. That's my big fear with Buffalo. So I think with, if you're Buffalo, you have to have face. You have to – have a couple of games you lose that you're not supposed to. 100%. And they, and they have to have games that go down to the wire because teams are just going to be prepared in the playoffs. It's just, it's, it's just the way it goes. Like Unless you're the Patriots playing the embarrassingly terrible teams that they had the good fortune of facing in the playoffs uh, in, the 2000, in the 2010s, you know, most playoff games are close. Most playoff games are competitive. Um, you know, it's, you know, team, I mean, you saw a team like the 49ers last year, right? You know, throughout the regular season, uh, they kind of were putzing around a little bit, but all of a sudden they go on a little run. I mean, t- the competition just levels up and teams can get hot. So you have to, you have to know what it's like to win in crunch time, you know, in a tight back and forth kind of game where every possession matters, uh, you know, if you just, if you're used to going into the fourth quarter and sitting on the bench, then you're not going to be prepared for when the game's on the line. Exactly. As Buffalo just gets another pick six, but like how Buffalo, blew it, yes, Buffalo is now up third. They're up 41 to seven. That's my thing with Buffalo. I'm only being critical of, don't go into every week thinking you're going to blow teams out of the water. Yes, you're one of the elite teams in the league, but you can't go into every game being like, hey, we're this and that. We're going to go in there and just steamroll you every week. I agree with you. I also think they need some wins that define character. You need those Josh Allen, march you down the field, lead you to a field goal or a touchdown kind of game. I would certainly agree with that statement. I think they're going to get that competition soon enough, uh, for sure. Um, you know, their schedule, they got some harder games coming up. I mean, if my, if Miami and Buff, I would just love so much, and uh, no offense to you being a Pats fan and all, but, like, uh, after all those years of Brady dominating and the AFC East just not even putting up a fight, it was so – you can understand. It was so frustrating 
for us non-Patriots fans because feeling like you guys were literally being gifted six wins every year because those teams just for the long the organizations for the longest time they didn't seem to be making an effort into being competitive and it was just like oh my god like the Patriots just have a cakewalk every freaking year of course they're gonna get a bye you know it's it's so easy and to actually see you know the Dolphins are making an honest attempt to be a great team the Bills are a great team um, the Jets are even showing signs of hope. I, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but I think the Jets could be a decent team pretty soon. Um, it's just it's nice to see the competition leveling out in that division a little bit. Yeah, that like I, I do agree. I like seeing the parity in the division. I like seeing that there's a little bit more to there. Um, my big thing with the Jets still is just Zach. It's it's Zach. I want to see how Zach turns out. With the Patriots this year, I never I have them at nine and eight this year. So if the Patriots can somehow maybe sneak in the wild card pitcher, that's all I can really ask for. No, yeah, I, then, I, I think yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that's what I can ask for with New England. That's all I can ask for this year. I'm looking at next year, the year after that. That's where you make that leap. Um, but all in all, when I look at the AFC East, I think it's going to be a fun division to watch. As and Ryan Tannehill's night is over. Um, I look at the maybe AFC. Maybe the new guy can throw to Traylon Burks, huh? Oh my god! He almost threw a pick. What? What? Yeah. Just give, just give it to Derrick Henry. Sheesh. Thank you. I know. That's why I knew because, like, as soon as he traded away AJ Brown, I knew their season was cooked. Um, I literally texted Danny as he threw that pick six, just saying Ryan Tannehill is ass. But Do um, it. oh my god. Um. Oh, okay, so we lost Jared for a bit, but I'm um, back. oh, he's back. I'm back. I'm back. He's back. I want to continue with the game quickly because I have a couple more teams I want to say to you. And the first one is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints, I think that the Saints are going to uh, struggle to be a fringe playoff team this year. Um, I, I think that they're going to be second place in the division, um, maybe win it. I, but I mean, I really, if they do, it's just because of Tampa Bay injuries. I'm really not as high on the Saints as other people are. I mean, yeah, they have some promising young players. I'm not sold on Jameis Winston as just as being a like suitable replacement for Drew Brees. I mean, it's definitely it's it's a downgrade. Like, I mean, I'm glad that he's kind of saved his career after he was like chased out of Tampa Bay, but I just think he's destined to be one of those mediocre journeyman. He's going he's gonna to lose the starting job in New Orleans within the next couple of years, I think. And then he's just going to bounce around and be back up like Jacoby Brissett or whatever. I mean, yeah, he's had some big games. I, I, I just don't – I don't have any confidence in him steering the ship. They're not even playing Derrick Henry right now, by the way. Um, with Whoa. the Saints – yeah. Um, with the Saints, though, I still think they're going to be a playoff team because you look at who's in the NFC and because the, the only teams like let's see who's going to make the playoffs. I think Packers and Vikings both get in. Tampa gets in. I'm going to say Philly is going to win the East right now, and then I'm going to say from the West, I think you're going to have the I think the Niners will get in with Jimmy, and then you're going to have that, and then the Saints are in that hodgepodge of say the Rams, the Cardinals, the Cowboys. Maybe the Giants are in that mix too, and the Saints. So you have all those teams in there. So they're in that hodgepodge to where they're still gonna be a good. They're they're still gonna be competitive. I just think they'll go as far as Jameis lets them. That's yeah, my big thing. It, I think it, it, as long as he doesn't play fuck up a bull football. If that makes well, sense. Well, then well, the nice thing for all the Saints as well is that although it didn't, they didn't win. This was a game they really. If the if the Saints had won this game, it would have been a big statement because it would have been like a shark smell and blood. Um, because the Buccaneers, I feel like this could be violent. This could be the year that you know maybe it's the beginning. Of, maybe it's actually the beginning of the end for Tom Brady. Just because they're, I know he says a million times, but I feel like the Bucks have all these injuries piling up, and you know Brady at some point has to see some type of regression. And if it's going to come this year, he's really working with like nothing right now. Like Mike Evans just got suspended and they have like Godwin is out freaking Julio Jones got hurt. So, I mean, I feel like the P the dominoes are all kind of collapsing all around them, but the division looks so depleted as a whole that they could still eke it out. But if this is only a nine and eight 
season for Tampa, I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, I, I I just think with Tom, I think he came back for two reasons. I think one, despite ESPN because of them reporting his retirement, I think he wants to go out on his own terms. But the other one too, and there's some people I've been saying this today, with him coming back and winning a Super Bowl with another team, it it you know when you, like you see in sports movies, someone goes to a different team and they think they're happy in the moment, but then they're truly not happy and they go back to their old team. I know it's a very weird cliche to use, but oh god, you, you think he's going back to the Patriots? <laughs> no, 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 no. You know where the whole? I, I think he's done after this year, but you know the whole like realizing, hey, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The grass kind is of, on the other side. I, I think yeah. it's that kind of logic. That kind of logic is going to apply to him. Not, I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he should have left New England or anything. No, no, no. I'm just saying that hey, he went and he got his own. But I think him losing in the divisional round last year really sparked some stuff and then now that there's this whole trouble and then now you have the whole stuff too with like Bruce Arians not like being on the sidelines yesterday which was weird and stuff I think there's more to this in Tampa than we think and I still do think though that this is his last year and I just if he's like oh like the whole and also I'm gonna say this I think the whole Miami stuff was bullshit I don't ever buy him ever going there I think that was just Miami could have tried to lure him but and they failed but I don't think if he I don't think he'll play for them again or I I don't for anyone else I agree. I, I also think that him going to Miami was bullshit. And, like, I mean, with Tom, you know, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, I, I respect him wanting to try and, you know, do, prove himself outside of New England. I know he's got the competitive edge, but it's like, dude, you won that Super Bowl. I know you feel great. You feel like I still want to keep doing this. But, like, after last year, if he, if he was already, like, retired and, like, his wife was ready for him to come home, it's like, Dude, what more do you have to prove at this point? I, I know he loves the game, and maybe that's why it's hard to walk away. But it's like, if you're not going to retire now, when can you retire? It's like, you have to at some point move on with your life. I mean, I don't know. I get I get it. I mean, football's in his DNA. He's, he's built different. And, I mean, best career ever. But it's just like, if not now, when? Yeah, exactly. If he can, I think the, the longer he plays, it's just going to look more of a – I don't want to say desperate. I just don't want to, I just don't want to see him become a shell of himself like what we saw with Breeze and Big Ben. Like you don't yeah, exactly. Peyton, like, I, Peyton Manning to an extent too. Like his last year in Denver was nothing glorious. He was carried by his defense in that last season. He got replaced that. mid-season by Brock Osweiler, who was like yep. playing better than him. That's what everyone overlooks about that season. I mean, that like that Super Bowl pissed me off so much because it was like, okay. I, I'm happy for Peyton Manning. I'm happy that he got a ring. But, like, he had nothing to do with it, basically. I mean, in the playoffs, he was playing a little better than he did during his abysmal regular season. But the guy was totally washed. They had they had an amazing defense. That, that year, the Broncos' defense, that was one of the best NFL defenses I've ever seen in the modern era. But Peyton, it's like, that game should not have changed anyone's opinion of him. Like, oh, now we got two rings. I'm like, dude, he had a thousand – he, like, what – 10 seasons that were that where he didn't win a championship that were all way better than that year. So it's just like the whole rings argument for quarterbacks can get annoying. I do think that there's something to the clutch gene, but at the same time, like there's guys like him where it's like Peyton Manning doesn't need five rings to show how great he is. Exactly. Like he's, we know how good he is. He's already in the hall of fame. Um, but my thing with him was, like I said, too, also I have another quarrel with that Super Bowl because I think – I know a lot of people like to hate the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl because it was 13-3, to but the, the Panthers-Broncos Super Bowl was one of the most boring games in Super Bowl Oh, my Bowl God, history, that, that was opinion. so boring. Yeah, that, that was super boring. Yeah, and it was it, not a good game. It didn't have energy to it either. It's like at least like the Patriots the, – you know, I mean, maybe with it – yeah, because with it being in broad daylight, I mean, I just feel like it didn't have that cool aesthetic to it. And at least the, the Patriots-Rams game, I mean, it was – it wasn't. It was pretty. It was pretty boring too. But I also was always thinking like something was about to happen because it was so close. Yeah, exactly. Like like that rant. Like the Broncos Panthers Super Bowl. It was just nothing. And then you, like, you have the Cam Newton play where he publicly. And that's the moment where I started to hate Cam Newton a lot. Was him admitting he didn't want to go down basically, and then he didn't want to get contact when he fumbled the ball. When it's like, dude, you're in the Super Bowl. Do whatever it takes to win the game. So what if you get hurt? Injuries are temporary. Your legacy is forever. If he has a Super Bowl in his resume, I think he's still in the NFL personally. But yeah, that's one thing I always like to say. That Super Bowl was boring. It was ten it was twenty four to ten, but that was an ultimate defensive Super Bowl. Um, yeah, that one stunk. The the Steelers Seahawks one stunk. 
the uh, that that was like going a little further back, but like that game was also really boring. Wasn't there a lot of controversy with that game as well? Yeah, the officiating. Yeah, like the officiating being like really biased um, in favor of the Steelers. There were some pretty bad calls there. That was that ended. They ended up being, that Seahawks team. Ended, they ended up being like one uh, one of those like forgotten teams because um, they did not have that kind of a reputation really before the uh, Russell Wilson and Legion of Boom era. But I will always remember that season because it was Eli's first full year with the Giants. And we played the Seahawks that year. We were in Seattle. Um, Jay Feely was our field goal kicker. He was a kicker at the time. And he missed three field goals. Three field goals. And the Seahawks, and including two in overtime. And the Seahawks did win in overtime. They were 13-3. and three. We were 11-5. and five. So if we won that game, we would have been the number one seed. Damn. A little history lesson womp, for me. Womp, womp. I, before we get out of here, I want to ask you. Oh, uh, there's two other teams. I got one other team I want to ask you about right now in the NFC. And that is Detroit. That's who? Detroit. Detroit, Rock City. I think that Detroit is. Um, we've talked about the like Houston earlier. I think that Detroit is a team that is not going to make the playoffs this year, but they're going to make people sweat. They're going to surprise people a little bit. Because this offense, I mean, they're really – they are so loaded on offense and people don't realize it. I mean, and J- remember, Jamison Williams isn't healthy yet. When Jamison Williams is in there, you have Jamison Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson and DJ Shark and Jared One Goff. One hell of an offensive line. A hell of an offensive line. And Jared Goff is not bad, people, especially if you surround him with this much talent. I mean, this is a team that, you know, most people think the Eagles are going to go to the playoffs this year. They, you know, put up 35 on them. They they tried. They, they tried pretty damn hard to hang in there with them. And they just put up a shit ton of points again this week and beat Washington. I'm not saying that this is going to be a playoff team or anything like that um, because, you know, the, the Lions still be the Lions. But this team could really surprise people. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say that if they found – they could potentially finish second in this division. I think they're going to be a spread darling kind of team where they have – like like you said. Good, yeah, good good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. They're a good team for gambling. They're going to be a good team for gambling. They, have, they were a good team for gambling last year too because like – Look at the Atlanta Falcons. They're 0-2, but Atlanta's 2-0 against the spread. Facts pay attention to, kids. Or oh, oh, and they, 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 oh, yeah. The Lions are, the Lions are going to be a fun team to watch. And from a gambling perspective, they're going to be a player prop heaven. Especially, oh, yes, they are. Yeah, you, yeah y'all, y'all need to slam Jamison Williams when he gets healthy because his odds are going to be crazy. <laughs> it's like right now I'm looking ahead for next week for them. And they go – I know they play Minnesota in Minnesota, I want to say. Yes, and – Minnesota's six and a half point favorites. Like I look at that right now and I'm like, I think I have to take the Lions to cover that right now. Yeah. No. Yeah, hundred percent. They're they're gonna be a fun team to watch. Well, folks, we had some fun. It's we been had real. some laughs. It's been real. Jared, it was a blast getting to talk to you once again. Folks, I'll be back later this week to get you ready for week three. But before I go, actually, Jared, we all know where to find you and the Trust Fund Benefactor. At, uh, Jared talks a lot on Twitter. But for this Thursday, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh, what do you think is going to happen? I want your quick prediction. Oh, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. Oh, my gosh. Another oh, another game nobody wants to see on Thursday. The, the bad reputation for Thursday night football continues. Um, my prediction here is going to be uh, – oh, I'm going to predict Pittsburgh. I'm going to predict Pittsburgh. It's going to be ugly. There's going to be a lot of turnovers from both teams, but I think Pittsburgh wins 20 to 13. Yeah, I think it's going to be a game like that. I think it's going to be an ugly football game and not a lot of points. I just think that's the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to roll. It's basically both teams are going to be are the same where it's like the defense is going to keep them in there, but it's up to which quarterback can screw up the least is where you're going to win the game. Pretty much. Well, folks, it's going to wrap it up for this episode now, episode 182, appropriately titled, You Get a W, You Get a W. I'm like Oprah Winfrey handing out Victory Monday Ws, but I got to go, folks, before my laptop dies, so I will see you later this week to get you ready for week three of the NFL season.
Have a good night, everybody. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.